This episode is proudly sponsored by Oxnit Designers. Now, Oxnit Designers manufacture school sweaters and uniforms. They dig ties and embroider logos and badges. They also do trainings in soft skills like machine knitting lessons, drafting and sewing school uniforms only, crocheting, jewelry making, beading bags, computerized embroidery, and so much more. Call them on if you ever, ever need their services. Please call them on 0772-929584 or 075-2929584. Welcome to the Chris Podcast. My name is Sava Isa with Isaac. In today's episode of the Chris Podcast, it is a bit changing because we have a wonderful wise intelligent person here with us a very first guest of the show exactly. thank you for listening in thank you for following us on all our social media platforms remember we're on facebook instagram and twitter please keep the comments and the feedback coming and i like where we are is that you have to tell them where we are of course <laughs> this ambience is just good for this place podcast make sure you listen in you'll feel it I mean, it is great, great, great stuff coming out. We have one of the aspirants of the presidential race to the Uganda Law Society, and um, this is, uh, I don't know how to address um, someone of this caliber before, but we are going to go with the flow. Council Fiona Navasa Wall. She's the only lady in the race. No, two. We're two. There are two okay. ladies in the race. Okay, she's the only significant lady. Yeah. I like she's at a podcast. <laughs> I've met her quite a number of times, and I get Isaac, I would love to admit, she's the only one I know. So, Council Wall. Yes. Welcome to the Peace Podcast. Thank you very much. It's exciting to be here. This is my first podcast. It's ever. an honor. Yeah. <laughs> and we want to assure you that it's going to be comfortable. It's yes. going to be interesting. <laughs> and we are glad also to have you as our very first guest. Um, maybe for the listeners out there, a little bit about who Fiona Navasa all is. And, um, yeah, a little bit about yourself. So, um, my name is Fiona Navasawal. As said, I am a Christian and that informs a lot of my values. Um, I'm running for the Uganda Law Society Presidency on the, on the faithful, available and teachable mantra. That's something that I believe. I would like, I like, I love those words. Yeah. I hope you because later... Because of the word teachable. <laughs> later, <laughs> later I will, okay. I will okay, talk right. about it. Mm. Yeah, so I am the current Vice President of the Uganda Law Society and also chair of the legal aid uh, project and the legal aid and pro bono project of the Uganda Law Society. In my other life, I'm also the head legal at National Water and Sewage Corporation. First pause, her <laughs> other life. You guys, what do you do in your other lives? Her other life, she's the head legal. Yeah. I mean, this episode is going to be life turning because I'm already inspired. Oh, if really? Yeah. Other life, yeah. <laughs> well, um, so the. Um, who's Fiona? Um, I told you I'm a Christian. I'm a wife. I've been a wife for about 14 years now. Wow. Um, a mother of three. Three very 
interesting individuals. Yeah. Um, I am. I'm on a journey. I'm on a leadership journey. I'm on a life journey, and I love what uh, I've experienced so far. Mm. I'm a communications professional as well. Mm. I have done public relations in my past, and I'm still a very active member of the Public Relations Association of Uganda. I am a chartered mediator, so because I love uh, alternative dispute resolution, mm. I think that um, there's a there, there's a room for it in our everyday life and it's very necessary i'm also very passionate about women empowerment i'm very passionate about increasing access to justice for the indigent and i am extremely passionate about um, growing leaders um, because i believe in being the change that we need to see uh, and we can only be that if we intentionally and purposefully transform ourselves so hence the teachable <laughs> Well, away from all that, from the work, mm. what does Fiona do in her own time, leisure time? In her own time? Yeah. Fiona loves words. I love the power of words. Okay. So usually you'll find me reading a book. I love to read. Um, I love to watch movies. I'm very visual, so uh, the arts are really powerful for me. I love my kids. My kids are very entertaining, <laughs> and I love just spending time with them and talking to them and and watching them become individual persons. With I must with say, Isa interests. has found his match. Isa loves <laughs> kids. And... Oh, you should come babysit. <laughs> He's definitely doing babies. that. <laughs> but yeah. I am. So um, I also. I, I love deep conversations. I love conversations that challenge me to be different, mm. that introduce me to new things. Um, and I have causes that are precious to me. Um, I'm a member of Rotary. Um, also, um, I get involved in different things in my in, in my um, church community, I would say, but I have groups of friends and we do different things for each other. Um, I love people. I, I keep telling people that I think I should have studied anthropology. I just love uh, what makes us. I'm a history buff, so I love history. You find me reading random history books and things like that. I came across uh, Her Royal Highness the Princess has just done an, a, a lovely uh, comic book in manga, and I'm like, wow, I want to read that, you know? Uh, yeah, so I believe in history. And I'm also very, in a very strange way, I know it shouldn't sound like a hobby, but I'm passionate about Africa okay. and self-determination and what we could do as Africans. Yeah, so that's for identity. My reason. latest craze is the continent of Richard area and how we can make that happen. So Interesting. Yeah. Very well interesting. This is a conversation we should have a little <laughs> bit more. Um, listeners, as you've just heard, we have a person who's a cocktail of... Um, what's the word? You're the one who usually comes up with these words. Well, let's not complicate things. A cocktail of very many things. Very many, very interesting many interesting things. I'm having a hard time picking and choosing which one. But um, she's in the Uganda Law Society race. Um, maybe a little bit about the Uganda Law Society. It's the society that brings together lawyers in the country. For the listeners who may not be lawyers, this is not only something for lawyers. It's a society that brings together lawyers um, and helps them grow and um, stand, uh, represent them on different platforms that like, for instance, the International uh, Lawyers uh, 
International Bar Association of Lawyers, right? Mm -hmm. And very many other associations. So maybe I would ask, what has it been so far in this race? Um, we have about uh, 12 days to the election? Yes. 12. Yeah. Uh, right. No, uh, 14, 15 as we speak. 15. 15. So yeah. a fortnight to the elections. Yeah. How far has the race been? How has it, what is, okay, let me ask a direct question. What's what has been the toughest time and maybe the best time about this race? I think for me, the toughest time about this race has been COVID mm. and what it meant. Uh, this is the longest election period we've ever had as the yeah. Uganda Law Society. Usually it's about 20 days, give or take, okay. uh, from the time they nominate up to the time of elections. Mm -hmm. This time it's been how many months? <laughs> about four months. Yeah, about four, five months. Uh, very uncomfortable months and um, that's been really the hardest um, the most there have been some strange things in this race first of mm -hmm. all this is the most number of candidates that they've ever been mm -hmm. uh, this is also I think the most uh, controversial we've ever mm -hmm. had the elections mm -hmm. but we've also had um, a very interesting go at it this is the first time that election campaigns have been almost totally online okay. um, so there's been a lot of online um, mix going on there i guess because of covid as well however the best thing i've seen so far for me has been how involved members of ULS have gotten in mm. who should govern them mm. i think that uh, there was a lot of apathy over the years that okay. developed over the years you'd find lawyers didn't know what was happening in their society they didn't even want to know mm. some didn't turn up to vote we we used to have two thousand members and only a thousand would turn up to vote mm. actually turn 500 and only about a thousand would turn up to vote um, but right now i'm glad to say that everybody has an inkling of what's going on everybody mm. knows is involved is on some whatsapp group debating uh there's been a lot of debate and and for me that shows me that yes also having many people contesting for office now shows that um we the visibility of the society is growing more people want to get involved and also the the face of the leadership of the society is growing younger okay. but the best thing for me was is how involved members are and, yeah. and, and I think that's a good so beginning. Maybe, maybe regarding the race, yeah. I'll just go straight to the words faithful, available, and teachable. Yeah. It's, it seems that they are your catchwords during the campaign. Yeah. What do they mean in the race or in your bid to run for president of ULS? This is something I've been <clears throat> preaching, <laughs> literally, literally, for about, for about since 2016, mm. if, if I may be more exact because i felt that um, as a as an advocate uh, when i studied law i found my calling in proverbs 13 31 verse 9 which talks about speaking up for those that cannot speak for themselves uh, in 2016 i decided to run for secretary and still of the society yes of the uganda law society and uh, at the time i thought with my public relations experience i could bring uh, visibility to the society, I could introduce a society to social media and all these other things, which we did successfully. Uh, and one of the things at that point was ethical practice. I learned that ethical practice was something that um, was not being prioritized. And that's why that became my personal mantra around that time. 
right now as I speak, mm. when I say a faithful, available and teachable society, I mean a society that is faithful to its mandate. Our mandate is to protect the rule of law and to ensure that it's it's followed. Mm. Um, we have to be faithful to that mandate. We should never at any one point allow the law society to be politically driven by anybody. Our goal should be to maintain, to ensure that the rule of law is respected by all parties, including government. We need to be faithful to our calling to members, to members, to ensure that their, their professional development is taken care of, to ensure that their welfare is taken care of. So maybe if I could just chip in just a bit. So yes. how do you what is your idea uh, or what do you intend? How do you intend for the society to ensure that the rule of law is? Rule of law. Now on rule of law for me, I think we have to be creative. Mm. For a long time, we've done a lot of letters and, and a lot of public, uh, what are they press, called? Press, press releases means. and statements. But um, I'm very glad that uh, last year, the Human Rights Enforcement Act was passed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this allows you to prosecute personally any officer of the law that abuses. Uh, the law during prosecution mm -hmm. and you see a prosecution can even be thrown out of court mm -hmm. if it's found out that this person's human rights were infringed during incarceration yeah, yeah. Uh, or during arrest and we've seen a lot of uh, law enforcement officers mm -hmm. doing this and we've seen, we've talked a lot, we've, we've gone on radio and everything, but we need to prosecute these people. We need to make an example of them. So I'm very glad to say that uh, when I joined as vice president, as head of LAP, we had only 800 lawyers doing pro bono. Now we have 2,000. We can use this 2,000 to prosecute these cases. Uh, we can use uh, public interest litigation or strategic litigation to address issues of rule of law. And for, for instance, you know that we used litigation to force Parliament to pass the Justice, uh, the Judiciary Administration Bill. Um, that, that, that's, that's a sign. So we have to be very creative. The second thing is addressing rule of law has always seemed to be the job of the president. It should not be. We have rule of law clusters. So I would like to see a ULS that is more involved. If we can have five lawyers at different, uh, different media houses at the same time talking about the same thing, I think even the government will be forced to listen. There are other creative ways. For instance, we have always um, released rule of law reports. But then we have to have deliberate ways to, to convey these reports to the people that are are spoken about in these reports and, and actually have agreements with the law society towards a resolution. Okay. Like we've talked about electoral reforms, we've talked about certain things changing and nothing is happening. So we need to actually be very deliberate about these things and we need to be a law society that publishes as well. When We should have law journals on different things. We should be a thought leader. We should initiate bills. Okay. On law reform, there's a lot of laws that need to change. There's a lot of laws that are being used to abuse our rights. So this is how I look at us addressing the rule of law. Maybe for someone who's out there, there will be because there's a question that has been raised that Uganda has the best laws. We have all the laws, but these laws are not respected. Yes. The constitution talks about human rights. <clears throat> Still, there's a lot of violation going on. Mm. And like you said, that uh, the law society has always been coming out with press statements and condemning all these acts of uh, violation of human rights, but it still goes on anyway. So I think the question for me, uh, for someone who maybe would say, me, I don't know a lot about the law, but um, how are we going to ensure that these laws are enforced? What do you think the law society can do? What role can it play in 
having these laws or policy or the policy to change for the police that you don't have to brutalize someone when you're arresting them? First of all, we we need to look at these people as partners. For a long time, we've been looking at each other as adversaries. And once you, for instance, we're all stakeholders in the justice law and order sector. We all, we actually even as Uganda Law Society get funding from JLOS. We're all partners. <clears throat> In, in running this country. So we need to work like partners. We need to come to the table and say, why are you mistreating our lawyers? Why are you doing this? How can we go forward? But in doing that, if any of their officers break the law, we also prosecute them and make an example of them personally. Because then any other officer who would be tempted to do this on their own accord or with orders will think twice before they do it. But I also believe that um, if our lawyers know that they're going to be protected by the law society uh, and, and the other organs know this, then they will not just find it very easy to, to bully them. Exactly. Okay. So what, what about the relationship between the people and how they see lawyers? Because there's a general trend mm. when they, someone mentions that they're a lawyer. They feel like you're a con man, you're a land grab or something like that. That has eroded and that's why I'm mm. talking about ethical practice as we speak. Mm. Um, in England, the pleaders of long ago were the most ethical people. You'd find that the solicitor or the, the, the family attorney mm. knows all the secrets, knows where all the children of the father are, mm. knows practically holds all the properties of the mm. estate in his safe. Mm because he was the most trusted. Attorneys were the ones who would read wills mm -hmm. and execute uh, estates because they were the most trusted. Attorneys are the ones who would stand before the king and plead for people because they were the most trusted. Now we're seeing the opposite. People are, are crying every day. We have case backlog at the mm -hmm. law council because of um, integrity issues. Uh, the graft in judiciary is being blamed on also some of our members facilitating it. So I believe that first of all, we need to come back to our calling. Mm -hmm. We need to come back because if your client does not trust you, you will not return business. You might steal those that billing mm -hmm. for that moment, mm -hmm. but that's all the business you'll get. A lot of law firms uh, in this country have suffered from failing. They say we are a very entrepreneurial country, mm -hmm. but our businesses don't last beyond two years. Yeah, so yeah, we have a lot of partnerships yeah. failing because of integrity, because mm -hmm. of ethical practice. So I believe that if we come together as a law society mm -hmm. and we get best practices from different places, mm -hmm. we have exchange programs for our young lawyers mm -hmm. with, with other jurisdictions and learn from them what is working, what is not working. Um, what should a lawyer be like? How should their practice be? And we need to return dignity to this profession. This used to be the most dignified profession ever. I always boast that advocacy is the only profession practiced in heaven because I say Jesus <laughs> is at the foot of the Father advocating mm. for us. But we have taken it down. We have made it very basic. And when you make it very basic, you 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 threaten the very fabric of the profession. Why? Right now we have touts, people, brokers, Mm. That are that are now you know incorporating companies and and, and transferring land yes. because we have completely uh, dissolved the dignity of our profession. We need to get back there. We need to have practice standards. We need to be and for me, I, I believe in the carrot and stick. Mm. It's not enough to say to name and shame that people are doing it badly, mm. but who are those that are doing it right? Which law firm? 
is looking after the welfare of their staff, mm. which law firm is promoting young lawyers, mm. which law firm is 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 uh, prioritizing their client interests. When we start uploading these people, then I think even young people like you, when you come into the profession, mm. you will know uh, what to aspire to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that really sounds like a, a whole load of um, activity for the president and the law society at large to yes. do all these activities. And maybe some critics have raised the question that mm. um, you being the head legal manager at National Water and Storage Corporation, that perhaps there will be a conflict of interest in regard to how you're going to hold government um, agencies, for instance, if they violate uh, the rule of law and mm. so on, you being a government employee, mm. and questions like um, you have a lot on your plate and this is a, a position mm. that requires someone who's going to give all their time. So how, what, what would be your answer to what, what would be my answer? I understand where they would come from with that question, but you'd mm. also have to understand certain things about the law society, mm. about myself and about National Water. Sure. Uh, National Water and Zero Corporation is a parastatal. Um, we don't take money from the consolidated fund, we, we are semi-autonomous. Mm. But that given, our policy, our philosophy on leadership is we want to raise leaders, not workers. Okay. That's why most of the Rotary Clubs you're going to, we, we have presidents who are National Water staff, okay. presidents of Rotary Clubs. My MD is the Vice President of the International Water Association. He is the Chairman of the Uganda Federation of Employers Union, okay. of Employers of, in Uganda. So what I'm doing is encouraged. When I joined Law Society as a secretary in... Uh, 2016 we had a huge problem with uh, actually I started volunteering the law society around 2015 and we had a very big problem in in national water of water theft we had water theft we had about 70 water theft cases every every week and these water cases would get lost in the backlog and that uh, and they'll take an average five years and and your meter is taken for evidence and kept for five years so you cannot even use the meter you cannot the frustration was too much and but because i was in the in in the law society because even our board chair had some uh, some knowledge there we were able to come to the table with the judiciary and say we utilities have special needs and we need our own court. As I speak, we have a utilities and wildlife court that is at Buganda Road. From that, so National Water sees the value of the Uganda Law Society to it. National Water values rule of law. On issues of whether I'll be conflicted, I want to inform you that government under JLOS is one of our biggest sponsors of rule of law programs in ULS. Has it stopped? the Uganda Law Society from chasing rule of law. Can it even stop Can it even stop it? Secondly, you need to understand that rule of law is a problem. It's a, it's a, it's a challenge and a duty for all of us. Me being a government lawyer does not mean, or a, 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 an in-house practitioner does not mean that I want an environment where rule of law is not being followed. True. Secondly, um, I did the same exam 
I did the same qualifications. <laughs> I have a practice certificate. I was enrolled at the bar, along with all my colleagues in private practice. I started in private practice. I worked in two law firms, and I have also participated in trying in starting a law firm somewhere in my past. And I am very aware of the things that affect law firms. And I want to tell you that running a law firm being a managing partner of a law firm or running a law firm is very engaging. Could even be more engaging than my job at National Water. But my predecessors were able to do that and still be president. So there's a precedent to this. But I have also been your secretary, Uganda Law Society. When I was secretary, I spent my lunch hour every day at the secretariat. I believe that I put in more time than most people on council have ever put in during that time. When I was vice president, I was president. I I met donors, I worked on this project, and I was able to, to double our funding. I was able to work with the team, and we, we were able to do so many things. Our clinics are now 21 from 12. We won more awards than we've ever won before. We won awards from JLOS, from our donors in the Frank, France and German embassies. We increased our footprint of legal aid. And we did all this with someone who is working in a government institution. So I do not see why that looks like a problem right now on whether I can speak out on issues of rule of law. I am on record. For the last four years, I have been doing this. I have been speaking against uh, different things. I've, I've, I, I, I led the advocacy against the... Uh, against different uh, things. I've represented the, pro the president on different things. The rule of law launches the, the whole of the last two years. I have been the representative on council that has hosted this. The rule of law symposium last year, I was the, I was the representative to council that presided over it. Um, the other thing I want to say is, if you go on YouTube, you'll find all the media outlets that where I have been speaking on the rule of law. It is not the first time, it's not the second time. And instead of discouraging me, National Water has been extremely supportive because they see value. Because of because of uh, Uganda Law Society and, and our connection and relationship with the judiciary, we are able to have a court that now churns out our cases within three months. I want to thank those magistrates. Yeah and the judiciary because now our case backlog is three sorry our case uh, our case cycle is three months and in three months i have my meter and i can give it to another customer Very so people need to understand that we need to work together as a lawyer you should not be preaching divisions for a long time, our lawyers are mistreated in, in offices like lands, in offices maybe uh, because the people in lands that you're fighting with, first of all, are lawyers, but you don't think that they're lawyers. <laughs> and because you don't... Really? Yes, because most of them are lawyers. We have a lot of lawyers in police. We have a lot of lawyers in uh, URSB. We have lawyers in URA. We need these organs when we're doing our business. So is the question, should we alienate them? Should we tell them that you're less lawyers than we are just because there. you're in government? You know, you need me as national water. Uh, we want to build the ULS house. We are asking the president for five billion, which he pledged. Is it going to compromise a rule of law if we take his money? But don't we need that money? And do you think that without that, legal departments in this country you're going to just go alone go it alone we need a society that can i have worked in 
private practice. I've worked in academia. I lectured law at KIU for five years. I have worked in civil society. I studied my career in legal aid and I also worked in an NGO called Candlelight Foundation. I have worked in public service, in, sorry, in government. And one of the things I want to assure you is that each and every one of those lawyers needs a law society that works for them, that is relevant to them. So we need to stop preaching divisions. Those people that are saying this person is not qualified, <laughs> tomorrow you are a lawyer in private practice. If you decide that you're going to join National Water, does that mean you no longer can be involved in ULS? Self-determination is a right to all of us. The biggest takeaway for me is is that we need to probably change the approach we have towards exactly. remedying things like uh, adherence to rule of law and uh, pushing for whatever agenda that we have for bid for lawyers or any other association is that we need to understand that all these organs need to work together exactly. and the best way to achieve what we all want is if we work together because yes. I don't I don't think the police, um, uh, it benefits the police in any way if human rights violations are happening or it benefits but national if, water. Yeah, mm. but if you, if, if law society were to say, let's have a breakfast with the police, mm. it, with the lawyers in police, and we ask them what, what are the problems in your department, why, why are it you... It shouldn't mean that they're being... Uh, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it would make work a little bit easier because they would start now identifying with you and feel like they're Let me give you an example. Team. Lawyers are like, a, like bricks. Mm. Mm? Mm. They are lawyers in government, they are lawyers in parliament, they are lawyers in corporate practice, they are lawyers in private practice, they are lawyers in the judiciary. It's just a pile of bricks. Mm. When it rains on those bricks, what happens? Just imagine a pile of bricks. What happens? They water away. They water away. Mm. When, when the sun hits them, when someone comes with a hammer, they'll smash them, right? Yeah. Now imagine those bricks are now, those are mobilized bricks. Now imagine those bricks are now organized into a wall. You get cement and you, you put them together in a good order. Sometimes even without cement, right? Yeah, These days yeah. they put stones together and you make a pillar. So when you make that wall, what can it do? It can do so much. It will withstand all the weather. It will withstand everything. It will withstand earthquakes. And speaking the about... The law society can only be strong, as strong as its members, as okay. strong as the unity of its members. We need to consolidate the strengths of different lawyers from all areas of practice, the ones in the diaspora. We need to get all of them to speak one language. We cannot do that when we're busy saying you don't have a right, you, you don't have a right, you're less lawyer than the other one. No. <laughs> Maybe also, is it possible that um, we could start the nurturing of lawyers right from law school? Exactly. What, what do you think about how law schools in Uganda run, about LDC and everything? What, what's your general idea of? I, I, I have a problem with certain law schools and it's the problem is not with the law schools because you find that the same people that are lecturing in maybe Makere are the people who are also lecturing in those schools but the law schools get less time from those lecturers so you find that the Makere lecturer is a full-time lecturer at Makere and is a part-time lecturer at this school and then he sends his lectures by email am I lying? No. you don't see some of them you know um, so you find that the person who comes out of another law school, mm. the quality 
is less than the person maybe who came out of the law school where the person is doing what is full time so the lecturers are good the course might be the same but my issue is regulation first of all we should regulate how many how many hours are you teaching and which law schools are you teaching what's the quality of time you're giving these people because these students are paying a lot of money True. they're paying a lot of money but they're getting very little for what they what they're paying but there's also the issue of um in other jurisdictions law law is uh, usually a second degree um i don't know what about our standards here but a lot of people came from our law school in Makere and they were the best lawyers in the continent. So I believe that we need to work on the standards. Right now we have 12 law schools in the country and I am very concerned about the quality. But I'm also more concerned about if we have 12 law schools, how many people are in your class now? About in your 80. classes? 80. For my class. Oh, that's, that's, that's very good. That's a year, a whole year. No, no, no. That's no, a I'm stream. saying a whole year. A whole year. Or be about, about 200. Okay, in my class we were 400. So if 400 are coming from Makere, 400 from KIU, 400 from UCU, and then LDC has a capacity to take maybe only a thousand, or only maybe 800, then where are the others going? You see? So we need to make certain adjustments. And, and there's also the issue of, so there's the issue of quality, then the issue of other resources enough is there a bus sorry is there a bar course that's big enough for for the kind of lawyers that we're churning out then the other thing is also if they they how are we uniting them so i i am the patron of the KIU law society and uh, we used to have conversations on mentorship then i started having similar conversations with the president of the Makere law society and the ucu law society and i'm a student at cavendish so i also had conversations with that one then i then we thought to ourselves why don't we join up why don't we form a students or body that is going to unite the different law societies uh, so we form the uganda law students association and the patron and why why we're doing this is because we want to be able to have moots to have things that uh, to exchange knowledge to exchange resources um, because that's the only way we will will be able to learn from each other because you you people are going to end up working with each other eventually yes. yeah. so those are some of the things i think we should do thank you very much that has been quite a handful mouthful <laughs> and maybe the final question so maybe for a lawyer out there who doesn't know where they're going to vote from given the fact that they are now scientific elections do you mind telling them where they can vote from so how? The, the voting will be on the 12th and unless uh, court says 12 uh, September uh, from 9 to 3 p.m. It will end at 3, so please make sure that you're there. It will be at different high court uh, circuits, but I think the particular ones will be communicated by the Electoral Commission. But I want to advise that uh, until court says otherwise, you need to be a paid up member and you must have your ULS ID. If you've lost your ULS ID, you can go to the offices and replace it at 20,000 shillings. Um, it's important for you to vote. Um, I didn't finish my things about available and teachable, but I believe that um, we should be available to our members. Sure. So I'm big on member welfare. I want to see 
medical insurance because then young lawyers especially young female lawyers will be able to have their maternity uh, taken care of you know we will be able to have uh, young lawyers going through life with good welfare but also law firms will be able to afford these young lawyers the other thing is also if you have good medical and you have a good deal with the insurer then you can probably get very affordable um, policies for uh, professional liability because this is required for you to get any business from companies like Big National business. Water. Yeah. So this speaks to your business. I'd also like to make sure that we negotiate as well as we have economies of scale. We negotiate and make sure that uh, every with your ULS ID, you can go to any hotel up country and get a discount if you're going for a case in that place. Interesting. You know? You need, we need You're to add value to you. We need to add value to you as a member. Mm. Then when we call upon you to come and build a ULS house, you come running. Mm. You know? Because of the benefits. Member that value, exactly. Membership. But I also think we need to be available to our stakeholders and available to those people that need us. But we cannot be available when we cannot even look after our own medical needs. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. We need to restore dignity to this profession. When you work as a lawyer, you should be comfortable in, in the things you should be able to get fuel at a discount you should be able to buy a car from a car bond at a discount because you're a lawyer so this is the ULS I want to see teachable we need a law society that is flexible that will adjust to COVID and still thrive that will adjust to technology and still thrive that will adjust to having young young lawyers as leaders and still thrive you understand yeah so we need to be and for me I see this happening by involving as many people as possible in the running of the society maybe one last interesting question especially oh and regionalizing every service uh, the, you talked about the Africa free trade area, yeah. and um, so I'm asking what you think, how you think Uganda in particular, mm. and Ugandan lawyers can take part in, um, uh, for instance, in forming the forming of the Africa free trade area, and in particular the World Trade Organization. How can Uganda participate more? Because right now I don't think there, there's any private practice in uh, regarding. Um, international trade law or yet um, Uganda is a member. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. Why? When you look at all the trade blocks, IGAD, COMESA, um, the one huh? the one that's down, said this, uh, what is it called? All of them, when you cross the trade routes together, the confluence is Uganda. Can you imagine that? That's very We are right in the middle of everything trade in Africa. Then we are such a fertile, beautiful country with all the weather. We have the capacity to to be the breadbasket of this continent. If, if, if it's intentional, if we are intentional about it. If you look at uh, the continent, the Africa pre-continental trade area, yes, we've signed many protocols as a country and I'm proud of that. But I have seen other countries be more strategic. You know, like right now Ghana, I think, has the secretariat. Then we have, I think, Naomi or, you know, so we need, as Ugandans, we need to be at the top of policy decisions. We need to participate. Our government needs to even send lawyers there to negotiate. Mm. We need to look at our local local content because you see, if, if we become, if we, had com if we have no trade barriers, mm. right now we trade more with other countries abroad mm. than we trade within 
within the within our own countries within but if Africa. those barriers if those economic barriers are removed then you're also going to see free movement of labor and law firms are going to come here foreign law firms but right now this is a time to consolidate as the law society make sure law content says maybe 40 percent of every bill going to legal services should come to a local law firm you know we should be saying that we need to train our lawyers right now in international trade law and how they will participate we need to make sure that uh, we come together and help government as a law society we should be thought leaders on this issue is government doing the right thing if we have oil what are the things we should be doing you know to prepare if we're going to um, if we're going to create uh, if we're going to remove the trade barriers what is that going to mean for URA and how can we still ensure that we gain you know from it so for me I think how we can be involved is in so many ways national water should be thinking about how can we benefit from this the judiciary should be thinking about how can we grow our capacity you know to to try even international cases and, and, and all these things uh, lawyers should be thinking about how can we practice at the East African Court of Justice you know and, and at the African Court of Justice you know so there's a lot of opportunity and we need to have these conversations we'll definitely have these conversations more of this on next the next episodes of the podcast yeah thank you for listening in as i've said it has been a pleasure having you fiona navasa wall go out and vote if you're listening in and you're a lawyer and make sure you pass on this episode because it has been a wonderful edition filled with a lot of i mean knowledge yeah, yeah. and we've been challenged to also be better we are <laughs> upcoming lawyers as well so watch out <laughs> yes so um i don't know what parting shots would you have for the listeners and for the young lawyers out there basically. for the young lawyers like, i want to see you as students yeah. have access to scholarships for to have access to exchange programs with other universities, other international law schools, to have uh, for the young lawyers who are already lawyers, <laughs> not just law students, I would like to see secondments with international law firms so that they expose you. Before you get enrolled, your value might be, you know, iffy, but if you actually spend your two or three months uh, pre-enrollment in an in a international law firm, I think it increases your value. And, and, and they'll still pay you well sure. but then the second thing I'd also like to see is to ensure I've already talked about medical insurance and welfare but to ensure that young lawyers are involved in every committee every cluster are represented at every level that we have young lawyers committees even at the regional level so that we grow their capacity even as the ones in Kampala are growing okay. we'd like to see them organize CLEs be secretaries to our committees and things like that because there's no better way of mentorship than having them participate in that. But I also want to make sure, right now our Uganda Law Society clinics are 21, and they have, uh, they are usually mostly law clinics. Mm -hmm. What I would like to have is a member support desk at each of those clinics. Because young lawyers have problems with sexual harassment, they have problems with bad employers, they have problems with enrollment, they have problems with so many things. I would like to have a support desk there to help you navigate uh, the legal profession and still come out prospering. And also be mentored. Some of you, um, attempted sometimes to hold out to do this but if you have a support desk mm -hmm. that allows you to 
to learn on the job that allows you to learn. For instance, if you have a support desk in Bali and it can talk to all the advocates. So as a young lawyer, I want young lawyers to move out of Kampala. There's so many opportunities in the country, but you don't know about them. But if you have a support desk in Bali or in, uh, in Gulu that is telling you that, man, there are 50 law firms here, you come and we give you we give we allocate you a place okay. you know that i believe will 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 deal with the issues of unemployment the issues of harassment and the issues that young girls are suffering with and generally transform the legal fraternity it will it will bring back dignity even to the young lawyers. yes thank you very much thank you all listeners for listening in go to our social media platforms and keep those comments coming you can find this podcast anywhere you can find you get podcasts on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher radio public and very many others um for now uh it's a goodbye from me and isa until then it is a chris podcast we've been with fiona wall navasa for uls thanks then